Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma irradiated, and aired live every week, only on the non-productive network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in the studio as always by Pete and anonymous guests. What it is. I guess I should make them less anonymous. The guests this week are Al, who is um, our, our Hasbro expert. expert? Your Hasbro first expert. Espresso Bert. It's a new thing I make. Uh, and also Pope, who may not have done any of the reading. Pope, did you do any of the reading? He uh, is nodding no. into the mic. No. Great. So this week on Near Mint, like every week on Near Mint, we are ranking and reviewing comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies, where we try to guide you in what to read and what might be better avoided. We're going to continue on with our IDW exploration, specifically IDW's Hasbro properties, the toy lines they've turned into comic books, that they turned into a shared universe franchise that they're soon going to close. I believe the the official title is actually Hasbroverse. Is it? Yeah. Yep. Really? Good. It's it's referenced in at least one of these books. All right. Good. But like probably like externally, right? Like as a letter to the editor. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't you angry. don't have Bumblebee sitting there saying, boy, things sure are neat here in the Hasbro verse. Why not? <laughs> I Because they don't like us. All right. And they yeah. don't want us to have nice things. That would be, I think that's fine. I think you might as well call, call it what it is. Yeah. It is a weird toy commercial where all the toys are mixed up together. And uh, you we're can't buy them. them anymore. You can't, pretty much. <laughs> Speaking of can't buying toys anymore, this week our uh, esteemed guest uh, editor, Al, has assigned to us a product that is, uh, it's kind of kind of a couple of crossovers built in. We've got uh, Rom and the Micronauts, which is Rom the Space Knight meeting the Micronauts. Am I right about that? Yep. Good. So, um, and then we've got a, another book later on. It's Mask, mm-hmm. a Mask Annual from 2017, correct? Yep. And that has uh, f- guest appearances by the various body parts of a Transformer and cast members from G.I. Joe who are not named until well into the book. <laughs> Let's review, shall we? Uh, I, I would like to take a moment and point out that both Rom and the Micronauts are both arguably created by Marvel Comics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's go into our history with these legacy characters, these nostalgia properties, these toys. So Rom the Space Knight, first of all, uh, built as a toy by Parker Brothers, uh, literally just to make an electronic toy. They had only done board games up until that point. And uh, then at some point, they were like, yeah, let's license this to Marvel and make something out of it or, or what have you. Do you have any personal experience with uh, Rom? E- anybody on the panel? Uh, the comic books. Absolutely. Yeah, right? Yeah. I only know Rom through the co- comic books and a YouTube commercial <laughs> of the toy line. I loved stupid sci-fi toys as a kid. I would have jumped on this. I don't remember it ever. I don't remember it ever even being on the shelves. I think this is one of the toys that was actually utterly eclipsed by its source material. But not even no, not even its source it's material. It's not source material. Exactly. It's 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 its fictional material. It's the stuff that came out afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to me, uh, shocking. But uh, from so gladly we are a comic book podcast, so we can't talk a little bit about the comic books. Marvel Comics did kind of run away with the IP with Rom the Space Knight. Uh, with that, they they created the Space Knight which I think actually may have pre-existed before Rom the Space Knight. They had used the term before. Dire Wraiths, again, may have existed in comics beforehand, but were like made more mainstream in Marvel continuity with, uh, with the, the eternal battle with Rom the Space Knights. Um, yeah, but, uh, and, and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with the licensing of the name Rom, Space Knights, 
and dire wraiths. And that's why you get things in Marvel Comics and IDW Comics. It's all over the place. It really is crazy. Yep. Thankfully, Rom was brought over to IDW and he brought all those things with him. Yeah. Except for apparently the word Space Knights. Did they refer to them as Space Knights in this? I, or I was think I... Rom calls himself a Space Knight, but I don't think they ever call themselves Space Knights. Yeah, I, I never... Uh, I never... Remember them saying Space Knight. I was trying to pay t- close attention to that because I believe Marvel Comics owns the term Space Knights. But maybe not in the context of Rom, the Space Knight. That's the only way they could get away with it. That's interesting. They, what's the uh, what's the order of knights that he's uh, a part of? Elonia? Like, I think that's the... that's, that's That is the name of their, their, their planet. planet and whatever. So it, the, the Space Knights and the Rom legacy is, I think, maybe second only to Captain Marvel in terms of geeks freaking out over the licensing of the actual term. You know, is it? are you talking about Fawcett Comics, Captain Marvel? Are you talking about DC Comics, Captain Marvel? Or are you talking about Captain Marvel in Marvel? And then which one of those are you talking about? So that's, that's literally all I've got on Rom the Space Knight in terms of history. And I think IDW has a real challenge in front of them as far as tackling this character because he was, like... Maybe he wasn't Captain Marvel or Captain America popular in the Marvel Universe, but Rom had a following. Those comic books sold. He had a decent run. I like all, all three of those statements. He had a following. Those comic books sold. He had a decent run. <laughs> Can't argue that. I, I The covers are iconic. I remember those from the comic book stands when I was young. I can't tell you, honestly, that I actually read a lot of them. Uh, and, you know, there wasn't an animated series. There wasn't a movie. There was nothing other than if you if the toy, you know, blink and you missed it, you'd have Rom the Space Knight as a comic book character. And again, for me, it was m- more than anything else, Dire Wraiths that I remember the most from my early comic book reading. On the other hand, Micronauts. What are your experiences with Micronauts, folks? Uh, none. Really? I was aware of the toys. <laughs> and uh, actually, I believe I owned a couple issues of their Marvel Comics series. Really? Yeah. Uh, enough to know that the future Guardian of the Galaxy, known as Bug, originated in the, uh, the, the Micronauts universe. Interesting. If memory serves, there was only a couple issues released in the states. I think more got released out of state. I, I believe it was a limited series in uh, in the United States. Yeah. So from my my background, I actually have a little bit more leg underneath me for Micronauts, um, but most of it is remembered as half dream and broken toys. <laughs> I inherited a bunch of Micronaut figures from uh, older cousins. Over the years, Mm -hmm. um, when I was a child, so they were kids in the 70s, that's when the toy light first came out in Japan and and, and in the States, and I remember having them, and one of the gimmicks of this toy line, uh, there were three um, and three quarter inch figures, and they they disconnected one, they they could be reconnected, I feel like they were magnetic in some way, Uh, yeah, and then you could, and I thought I was original in this, I'm like, you know, you could take the torso off of one and put it on this horse, and it's a centaur. <laughs> I really thought I was original. Apparently, as, as a parent, as an original comic, thinker, you came up with the main play mechanic yeah, of the toys. Literally, what it was meant to do. There was a main villain in the in the toy line whose name names of any of the characters. I had no idea. I don't even think I knew they were called Micronauts because they didn't come with any packaging material. They were just hand me down toys. Right. Uh, and the main villain, who looked like a villain, is the only way you knew, was basically Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. He was a yeah. guy dressed in black 
evil armor and he was some space knight guy thing. Um, but not a space knight TM. <laughs> TM Marvel? We don't know. Uh, yeah, so I, do, I did know a little bit more about Micronauts uh, from the toy line. There was a sarcophagus toy in one of my boxes that I would keep the, one of the Micronauts in. And I always, once again, I thought, hey, I made this up. I guess they fit. They are literally from the same toy line. It wasn't just that they came from the same cousin at the same time, but they were mismatched toys, which I grew up thinking. <laughs> they were part and parcel of a place that I think his name was like Kathos or something weird, something vaguely Egyptian. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, other than that, nothing. No idea that they were small or that they were micro or that they were knots. No background. Never saw a cartoon for it. And there was no cartoon for it. I think I even missed most of the Marvel Comics line that was apparently sparked entirely because in, I think, 77, a Marvel author or editor's child got some Micronauts as a Christmas gift. Hmm. Bill Mantelow's son, Adam, opened the new present. It was a line of Mego, at the time Mego, Micronauts action figures. He saw the toys and he instantly had inspiration for their adventures and convinced Jim Shooter uh, to uh, license the toys. For, for those of you unfamiliar with Marvel Comics history, uh, Jim Shooter was editor-in-chief at the time of Marvel, and it was not difficult to convince him to do anything. <laughs> or anybody, really. This was my, my heyday of Marvel is when they were like, we're making funny books for kids, which is not the way they probably talked in the late 70s, but it, it, still, I like, I like how unassuming... I like 70s accent of yours, Frank. Yeah, I like how unassuming it was. Now yeah. we're like, oh my god, you're the legacy, and you can't do this and that with the character there's legacy and back then they were like hey got my kid got this toy it's mr potato head i'm gonna make him mr potato head is that okay with you i'm from brooklyn marvel comics new york how soon can we get spider-man in there with him yeah just to sell the books yes so yeah a, a very inauspicious start to this comic book two toy lines mixed together we barely remember yep all right rom the space rom and the micronauts Tell me, Al, why did you pick this this five book miniseries? For I picked us? this five book miniseries because it was going to take exactly as you just said two of um the properties that were left that we hadn't actually covered yet, and they uh, smushed them together into one five book series. And I, so it fit is why you picked it. <laughs> yep. What a jerk! How bad could it be? Um, the correct answer is depends. So. Uh, I, can we talk about our, our, our takeaway? Let's talk. Let's set up the book. Yeah. Uh, in this story, the characters have already met in the past and various other crossovers. During the big giant uh, revolution that sparked the Hasbroverse to begin with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And at the, They're I all think buddies. The story starts with the Micronauts who, are, who exist in a micro universe. Better, I guess, for co- most comic fans, what's the Ant-Man equivalent of the... Uh, that would be the Microverse. The Microverse. In Marvel continuity, it is the same Microverse. Really? Yes. Interesting. Well, I don't know if it translates over to Or the to quantum IDW. realm in the MCU, apparently. Uh, I believe this is a, uh, a significant part of why it's referred to as the quantum realm in the Ant-Man movies. Oh, okay. The wow. rights disputes. Licensing. So, uh, yes, they are in there. They're fighting against their dreaded uh, enemy, Baron, what's his name? Baron Karza. Baron Vader is how I'm going to refer to him. Uh, Baron Karza. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we get an introduction of all the major characters in the story. There's a handful of Micronauts who are pretty much indistinguishable. Maybe two or three of them I remember from the toy line. Uh, and the toy line kind of favored robots heavily. Yeah. Uh, uh, like robot sidekicks heavily. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so uh, they, they're in their their little mini verse fighting their their Baron, and the Baron has uh, formed a dark alliance with Dire Wraiths, which ding ding ding, I actually knew. I was like, hey, Dire Wraiths, cool, <laughs> uh, who are attempting to resurrect their god or one of their gods. Uh, into the universe because that's what you do when you're an evil race of beings. Sure, and uh, the somehow the Baron's going to help him do help them do that. Yep, uh, and the and the, our heroes are trying to stop them. And yep, aided by the person who's best at, adept at fighting the dire wraiths, that guy Rom. They met one time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I really liked issue one. Really, I was so on board with it in issue one. That introduction with Baron Karza talking with the dire wraiths. And then like, but you betrayed us. I'm like, please, for despots like us to hold such grudges is beneath I us. I did like that. I did like how the as the the two major villains are just like, come on, we're jerks. You know this. <laughs> yeah. You knew this was gonna happen. Yep. And I just felt like and throughout the entire book, I'll be honest, I actually really liked Baron Karza. I felt like he was a Xanatos level villain of like, really, even when I lose, I'm technically winning. Um like which I I liked. And issue one really saw the heroes at their at a really good pivotal point where we think Rom is defeated. Uh, the Micronauts are like slain. I like how we just let him a- slide out with Xanatos level villain. Like everyone's like, yeah, that's a, that's a unit of measurement we're yeah. all familiar with. <laughs> gargoyles, Disney's gargoyles. That's right, right, right. And there's but- a lot of people who are angry at me for stopping you just to explain that. They're like, yes, we are aware. <laughs> of course. Duh. Exactly. But I let the Micronauts are defeated and Karza once again goes, ah, we don't need to finish them off. Let's leave. And I just felt like, wow, I'm into this. This is a story about, like, they're going to resurrect their dark god. I don't know how they're going to do it. And maybe Rom is dead. We don't know. He's somewhere. He's in microspace. We don't know what's going to happen with him. And we've set up enough of the characters that I'm like, all right, where's this going? And apparently it goes to, we have a time cloud we have to deal with. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. We told you about that before, didn't we? That was in the recap page. Was it? No. So uh, here, let me start off with epi- episode one, with the first book. Uh, I actually was, that's where I have the major issue. Uh, and I think maybe because you were reading along, you had less of a like trouble buying in. For me, I'm like, you explained who these characters are, but I, it's a lot. It is a lot of exposition, and it's not necessarily a smooth explanation. I'm not sh- like, it really didn't feel like I knew what was happening as we began. That was, uh, that was, I think, the, the unforgivable sin to me in this. Because the writers clearly knew that you needed to have some information going in. Because they have not one, but two recap pages right. in every issue. The first one is a What Happened Previously, which shows you panels out of uh, previous comics. Which don't really do anything to help you. Yeah, I know Paige, I know it's it's expensive and what have you, but like just create yeah. new art for this so that we could understand. I don't even what's need re- new art. Just like make Dialogue. the make the yeah. make the uh, subtitles mean something. Mm-hmm. Write a, write a paragraph. I think that we were just talking about this last week with uh, Scarlet Strike Command with like you know. Uh, you know, Cobra Commander, don't call her the Baroness. And that did it. We yeah. were, we were yeah. good. And that was in the story. You didn't even need a catch-up page. Yeah, right. and we had none of this in here. And the exact opposite of that was the next Who's Who page, where they have a bunch of headshots of all these different characters with their name underneath it, but no further information. Yeah. And the, you know, even if you divided the little pictures into groups, like, okay, these are your Micronauts, these are your space uh, uh, knights. Knights from space. <laughs> uh, the, uh, these are the bad guys. 
and these are random humans. Yeah, you with know, mutations that. that may or may not mean anything. You know, just just tell us what property these are uh, people are associated with. I would have been fine with, but no, they're all jumbled together. Yeah. And all you know is, okay, well, that's that dude's name. So I felt very unmoored by most of the start of the story. It wasn't until issue two that I started getting interesting, interested because I was like, you know what? At this point, I'm getting a little bit of the, the, the evil villain plot. I believe it's an issue two that we figure out yeah. how. And I love it. I think it's really clever. Why? And that's always like a question. Why does one villain side with another villain? You want your villains to join forces because it makes it fun. Same thing with the heroes. But mm -hmm. why? Why would this Baron, whose goal is to take over the microverse, want to help the dire wraiths who he's betrayed in the past, who he doesn't quite trust, whose, whose motivations, they're not aligned in any way. The way they cleverly made it up with this, the entropy cloud and the, the resurrecting of their dark god, I really thought it was fun. I really thought mm -hmm. that concept was a lot of fun. I was like, you know what? I don't care how much MacGuffin there is in this. And it's all MacGuffin because it's all magic. Yeah. It's fun. It was exciting. And once they got that established, I felt like there were stakes for what the heroes were doing. Mm -hmm. But it took a little while for that to happen. I definitely, I liked that they, how they meshed it together. I just was constantly sitting there with Time Cloud. Where, like, I, I don't know why that Mac that MacGuffin shouldn't have bothered me. It really shouldn't have. But reading it, they arbitrarily mentioned, yeah, one of our guys became a time time traveler to kind of deal with this. You know, it's fine. I'm like, did we? <laughs> <laughs> I like how eventually it's like he's ascended to become a time traveler. Exactly. It's like, oh, I That's didn't That's a realize. thing our people like, do? Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, now he's a time traveler. <laughs> I'm not sure why I breezed past That's that. That's a promotion. It could be that I just remember the one toy name. Maybe, yeah. I, I do remember vaguely the toy. I guess over the years I have looked up these toys. Probably after they appeared in Robot Chicken, I'm like, this is a thing? Every other people had this toy? Yeah. And I can only assume that he became a time traveler because he was particularly difficult to draw. <laughs> so he wasn't going to be in this one. But I don't know. Like something, there was also the, the issue with me of they destroy the factory, like where or not the factory, but the m machine that's supposed to basically use the cloud, transport it, and make the god come to life. And they do that, and it's kind of a, it's kind of fluff because there's just another one anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, mm, I do, don't know. I, yeah. I feel like you could have condensed this, and like I feel like that's the problem. I think there's too much fluff here. Yeah. Especially when we get into like the romance plots. It's like oh it worked in Star Wars. Haha, ha, we have another one. Yeah. Because you had Empire in between the two. Yeah. Imagine if the movie right after. Yeah. After New Hope was oh, still got another one. Keep we have a million of these. Just pulling them out. Yeah. I was less. Uh, frazzled by that, but I agree with the fact that you're wasting real estate on battles that maybe could have been better suited for character development. I agree. Which doesn't really happen. There are moments, wonderful moments, beautiful mwah, moments, where characters are like, can we talk about our feelings now? And we're like, yeah, we're going to talk about these feelings. And two robot, two guys with the same backstory of being horribly scarred robot knights. Yep. We're like, hey, you too? Like, me too. <laughs> Completely. Well, all right, let's talk about our women. And they talked about their girl troubles in a hallway when, like, just after finishing saying, we, we don't have time to, to rest. <laughs> we don't have time to rest, but let's talk about our girl problems. It was beautiful. I loved how stupid it was, but I, no, uh, clearly it needed more time to develop. And I'll be real, like, why did you bring that up if you're not going to resolve it in this book? If, like, those, none of those plots get, like, really dealt with. Rom kind of alludes to, hey, we can maybe remove our metal skins and continue our courtship. And his 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 love interest is pretty much just like, no. 
I lo- hey, it's like, are you an idiot? We need these things to fight evil. And, but I also like that, and to a certain extent, we get an explanation as to, like, I haven't completely, where she's talking to one of the other people, I haven't completely closed off my heart. I, I am not that hardened that I don't yeah. care for him. But he longs for something that we will never have again. Yeah, he's living in the past. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just like, and that's why I'm going to re- continue to reject him. I do, I actually like the way those two storylines, those are the two exceptions where I'm like, all right, at least I got some sort of closure on their story. I feel like there are other stories or other characters that got no real estate that could yeah. have had a little bit of real estate if we weren't spending so much time doing weird things. When the when the little robot dude got killed off. And- that, perfect, perfect. Micro, <laughs> micro, microbot, microbot, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. the big dude was like, he may not come back the way he was before. Like, yeah. And like, but he's a machine. Can't you just rebuild him? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we can rebuild. I, was, <laughs> I love that. At, it was, that was basically the reaction no. the way I read. Probably. <laughs> it's like I don't know. But I what wish, is the soul? <laughs> we, I, I wish Pete, but like, if that was, then that would have been done for laughs, and I would have been like, okay, good. But it ended with the whole like the question of what is. What is consciousness for a machine? Well, we may not know until he comes back. And literally, we don't see him being fixed. He's just back fighting with the rest of them yep. in the next book. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I guess they fixed him and they resolved the whole what's his personality or they had backup discs. I don't know. Like, there's no explanation <laughs> for it. Um, there is a couple of different moments where the story just sort of dr- this was sped up. Where like that's probably the most egregious example, but there are a couple of different moments where I guess in, in the fact that they only had five issues and had so many things that they had to address. Um, for example, when Rom and the Micronauts come back into Earth to help the the forces they left behind to fight, who were fighting off the wraiths, trying to resurrect their dead god. There's a moment where they're fighting against each other, and time had passed. But you didn't really feel it. Maybe it felt a little bit like the forces on Earth were bunkered down. Yeah. But when the when Rom and the Micronauts came back, everybody was like, "Okay, so are we going to continue the plan to stop the God from being resurrected?" No one. There was no moment where they had to stop and explain what they had found out. Mm. That everybody was just sort of aware. It was like playing a role playing game when somebody's like, "Okay, out of character, tell them what happened." You're like, "Oh, all right, good, it's yep. fine, it's done. We're we're, yeah. we're all caught up." Which wouldn't have been so egregious if, if it was we, a little box that said, yeah. up. If, it wouldn't have been so egregious if they hadn't gone and destroyed one of those machines already. Like, again, I feel like having two of the same, like, MacGuffin devices, like, really just kind of slowed the story down and created more problems than it really solved. And we're going pretty deep into the spoilers here, but uh, the way it was ultimately resolved, or at least one of the things that happened, when it ultimately, yes, we have the sacrifices that, you know, are uh, narratively what causes it to be possible to resolve the situation but you know unleashing the entropy cloud on the god who is the god of the people who entropy doesn't affect because we established that in the earlier book like it doesn't have any internal consistency it doesn't matter because it doesn't none of this matters but it, it felt really cheap yeah. Uh, the the best thing that came out of it was, of course, a sacrifice of a character who I had to research to find out if was he was a character that meant anything, uh, and the fact that Rom kind of weaseled his way out of uh, beating beating the Baron by saying, "All right, I can't make you do something you don't want to do, but I can make you do something you don't mind doing. <laughs> I can change your motivations." And I actually like I I. I do appreciate that there was an internal consistency to that, as yeah. to why Karza would go ahead and turn on his uh, his 
allies. Yeah. Well, yeah. His defenses were lowered, allowing Rom to do to manipulate him in that way. And yeah. That was fine. It was just uh, it was like three pages where we could have had a little bit more uh, to that, but yeah. we didn't have the time for it. And again, I agree. I really think Karza still shines in this. I love him as a villain. He is just Baron Vader. That's fine. Yeah. And I do like that. Again, at the end of this, he's pretty much just I've lost, but technically I've won because the entropy cloud is gone, and I can just say I did it because technically I did. Yeah. Uh, and that was my plot all along. Ha 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 ha. So if you're if you've got interest in Rom or Micronauts and seeing them playing in the same sandbox. There's a lot of inex- inexplicable things that happen in this book that you're not sure who these characters are or why they have a, like Axiom. It's like, oh no, it's Axiom. I'm like, who's Axiom? <laughs> like, why is he talking like a bro, but he looks like a dire sh- wraith? Me, you know what? I don't think I need to know. Yeah. But I think if you're like, for the nostalgia factor, if you know Rom and you know Micronauts, you probably know him from the toys. You don't probably don't care too much about <laughs> their backstories. You'd be like, hey, it's kind of neat to see these guys walking around. My, um, I'm, I'm going to rank this book. I'm going to give it a good. It's fine. If you know what you're getting into, it's fine. It's good. I would, I would characterize this book of basically like if Thor teamed up with a bunch of other Thors and went on a space adventure, mm-hmm. like it's a bunch of by the, by the gods of Alonia or my, the microverse. My, so like there's so much of that going on. There's like, a lot of that. I really would have liked some pungent comedy or like just someone of any normalcy. A verity? A yeah. human in the crowd who's just God, like, I would have killed for a Verity yeah, in that book. Yeah, that's we a place had a couple. Weren't there two Verities? There were two humans. But they left them on Earth and just yeah. said, we don't need you anymore. <laughs> they were gone like for They actually, issues. they included them and then ignored them. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yep. I, I'll agree with you, Frank. Like, there's, it's good. I, I think that there's, there's enough redeeming things. That's kind of cool action. I love the villain. I think he's great. But, oh man, it's, it's a slog. Yeah. Yeah. Beat. I, I was waiting for Al's ranking. It's good. He it's said, good. Yeah. Oh, oh! I didn't realize that was the. I thought he was just saying good. No. Rent, okay, uh, Al. If you want to see to read a story about a, a bunch of Thors flying through space, I was, to, I was waiting Thor, for this one. Uh, 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 things. Uh, Marvel's As Guardians of the Galaxy is on issue <laughs> two right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I highly recommend that. Uh, as for this. I, I can't get by the uh, the obvious need for exposition and the plotting storytelling. This is a hard pour for me. Oh, poor! Wow. Yeah, I'm oh sorry. man, honking noise. I'm real sorry. Honking sound effect. We should get one of those. But uh, yeah, so that's interesting. I'll say this for the Hasbro verse in terms of Rom and the Micronauts. Uh, I feel like if if early Silver Age comics, and they're like not caring at all about what they're doing. The hey, my kid got a gift uh, on Christmas, and I'm gonna make a story for them. If that is the impetus of uh, of making uh, like the big major plot line story arcs movie franchises of today, if like really like subpar, we don't even care stories made that happen, maybe this is what needed to happen for the Hasbroverse so that after they relaunch it, they could like tease some references to these earlier books, but not be like stuck to them and actually do some more interesting stories. I agree. I think that that's that's my that's my uh, silver lining, if anything. Or just hire an editor and tell a good story in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that could also work. All right, next on our list, we have Mask Annual from 2017, because topical, right? <laughs> All right. So the, the real reason is because in this book, 
which is uh, features characters from Mask, which we will get to in a minute. Also features characters from Transformers and G.I. Joe. Yes. All right. So it checks the box for us. That's the best reason to review a book. Now, actually, how much Hasbro or Kenner is in this? I'll yeah. actually say I, I chose this book because I do like Mask as a property, and I, and I did want to get some Mask in here some way. And this is a pretty good self-contained story. So let's talk a little bit about Mask and our history with that. Uh, Al, you want to go first? I love Mask. It is one of my favorite toy lines of all time. It is so cool. Uh, made by Kenner to try and combat G.I. Joe and the Transformers at the same time. <laughs> That's it, that is really, really gutsy. It really was. Yeah. And they and they kind of sort of maybe succeeded. No. To- <laughs> I, uh, they were around. They certainly they certainly were stocked on the shelves. They they the put up their punches. of toys. <laughs> I don't know about that. They they were very popular at the time. They were. Uh, All right. The the intellectual properties, the the really just the cartoon at that point was uh, you know did solid performance, but it, it clearly got blown away by G.I. Joe and yeah. and Transformers, especially in the popular imagination when yeah. it came back to nostalgia. And I think a big part of that might be uh, animated moviness, like why there was never a mask animated movie. I'll say that I think the big failure was when they decided, like, hmm, you know, the, ro- the the robot and the kid thing's not working. What if we decided to, like, turn mask into, like, wacky races? And, like, have them race around the world and, like, you know, fight Venom that way in, like, fight for prizes oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was I a, only vaguely remember there that. There was a distinct, like, uh, turn in the, in the yep. franchise. And I think that's what killed it. I think that was the thing that was just kind of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be, you know, kind of vaguely poking fun at our competition. We should, like, try and do our own thing. And I felt like, man, did you guys just drop the ball. I, I feel like the reasoning behind that was because of how human and realistic Mask was. Uh, we're hold me on, hear me out here. Um, no, I, I, tra- I'm following you. Transformers, robots in space, shooting lasers at each other. Giant robots. Giant robots in space. Not a lot of the '80s panic of kids will do this, right? No, not so much. Uh, not so much. I mean, occasionally we talked about uh, Pete, your 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 upbringing and your yeah. parents, uh, <laughs> and how GoBots was more acceptable because they didn't have guns; they used their hands. But like this is uh, you know an order of off still. Um, then you've got GI Joe. You've got American military, really hard to criticize American military yeah. at anything, including toy lines. And they're just going after terrorists, who so right. we can all agree are bad. Yes, and mostly robots. Mask had a bunch of people who were fighting each other on motorcycles and cars. With guns. With guns. Lots and lots of guns. And it was a criminal organization. These were people. that yeah. they were. Sh- yeah. I think that may have had a decent amount of... Uh, of uh, drawback on you, that. You might not be wrong. That might have been the impetus for the change. Yeah. Well, regardless, it did seem to lose some of its uh, speed. My earliest memories of Mask, I, do, I remember the theme song, although I can't recount it to you now, but I do remember it having a pretty popular theme song or a memorable one. Uh, and I remember... Mama Mask! That's it. I remember as a child looking at gas stations and thinking that that like the big <laughs> mobile thing that's on the pedestal would lift up and missiles would come out and mm. what now that I think about it I understand why the toy line may have been been angry <laughs> angered parents cuz I must have drawn so many like this is a minivan with machine guns coming out of it and a chainsaw instead of wheels there was a <laughs> lot of me trying to turn everyday objects into murder vehicles and it was because of mask 
Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, yeah there was a lot of that. But in those my vehicle early. transformations were so damn cool. They, they were, were cool. really cool, and they really are cool when you look at the toys. Oh yeah, they, they're not. They they're, they're GI Joe is too out there with the vehicles, obviously, for you to really like. Mm. And Transformers, because they turn into robots, it's still not like you can buy one of these. Yeah. But I thought legitimately that if I had a, a, a roadster, I can maybe make the wheels go flat so we could fly. It's like, why? I, I remember with those, why don't we have these? <laughs> yep. Why so, can't my DeLorean just like open the, the wings and then just go fly? That was no DeLorean. That was, that was a, uh, actually I believed that DeLoreans could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid kids, man. Any car with gull wings. Could do it, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh. they, they had a, a minivan that was so comically huge, uh, but it was a minivan that had a, uh, a, a a jet inside it. Yep. It's like, why don't we have this? <laughs> why don't we have a minivan that, like, the two halves will just split open and launch a, uh, a plane out of it? Or cars that could turn into submarines. It was just like, it, it was all great. Made yeah. perfect well, sense. we had those. There was a lot of, like, Epcot Center, if you know what I'm getting at. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is what the future will be in a few years. The world of tomorrow. Exactly. So uh, that was my, my, my clearest memory of Mask. Uh, not very strong. Uh, b- believe it or not, no memory that the Masks did anything. At all? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that I definitely remember that because they had they had their own weird superpowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one could like levitate, the other one had like could Which only feels- levitate himself. But uh, <laughs> then the, uh, there was a whole separate mask that levitated objects. So uh, yeah, this felt very tacked on. Like if you thought some of like the backgrounds of these comic book characters and cartoon characters in the '80s were like written by jobbers, these masks felt like oh, their masks have powers. Kids like powers, right? <laughs> uh, the premise of this book, let's recap the premise. Uh, really cool. From the skies comes a comet or a meteor or something. Oh, no, it's not. It's the severed head of a of a Transformer speaking in some strange alien language. Really impressive. Lands in a crater covered by evil alien-looking vines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's uh, a group from... From Joe, G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. and I guess Mask, come to investigate this crash landing and are uh, attacked by uh, by Venom slash Cobra eventually. Vicious so, evil network of mayhem. Yes, everything's an acronym. As, as run by Miles Mayhem. <laughs> Who is it? Is he canonically still an American general? Like, does he have a secret identity? Or I, is he I believe they said that he's 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 a retired general. He's retired, but it's still he's, not disgraced. He's not disgraced no. yet. That is beautiful because he's like Lex Luthor. Uh, okay, good. It's like yeah, he he's he's a well known and respected public fi- figure who is secretly running his own criminal empire. I just love the idea that this guy is still getting, like, a pension from the U.S. government. <laughs> Why? That's what he's using to fund this. That's beautiful. There should just be a, a character study on I, him. And, and he was the originator, like, going back, giving a little bit of history on uh, Mask in the in the Hasbro-verse, essentially. Um, they came to Mayhem, actually, to be like, hey, we really need some help with dealing with these giant, huge Transformers things and on these aliens coming to Earth that are from a microverse. And, you know, the dire rates. We, we, hey, Miles, could you come out of retirement and kind of help us out with this? Yeah, you're a good general. You know how to handle this kind of crap. Yep, and he does. And that's when he starts cannibalizing Transformers, creating these vehicles and turning things into like... And he's like sort of the originator here. Matt Tracker's kind of like his right-hand man until eventually the events of Revolution happen and him and Tracker split ways. 
and he decides like I'm gonna you know do the whole crime thing because yeah, uh, I'm gonna go evil. Why yeah. not? I have this anti transformer technology. I could use that to rob banks. <laughs> now, Al, you and I read um, uh, some of this book when uh, when we saw some vivisecting that Miles Mayhem had done on yeah. transformer bodies. So it's pretty graphic. I yeah. mean, they took a ridiculous property like mask and decided yeah, let's bring let's add some of the gratuitous gore and graphic from Transformers of, of blowing up and dissecting living, arguably living robotic beings. Mm. There's a lot of that, and it's interesting. And so for the basic premise of a story of we need to get the McGuff, the pieces of the MacGuffin before the bad guys do, gold. You can't go wrong with that. There's pieces yeah. of Transformers landing on the Earth. They have some sort of weird property where they're infecting life forms and creating this techno-organic virus yeah that they, i don't even know i mean yeah it's, and it's what, would ha what would happen if this it falls into the enemy's hands well then they could just you know rewrite genetics as they please but with a keystroke we can't allow that yeah <laughs> that was my least favorite part of exposition was when the heroes had that spoon feed what if bad things happen because <laughs> the first thing i lifeline was he's like this is incredible this this weird vine is infected by this thing that it can rewrite genetic codes. We can use this to regrow limbs and do great things. And there's like a solid beat. And then somebody's like, what if they do bad things with it? And he's like, you're right. I never thought of that. We need to eliminate fire. <laughs> if they went three pages of talking about like, like fire safety, that would have been priceless. The Second Amendment gives us the right to use weaponized vines. Anyways, uh, yeah, that went dark. But uh, yeah, so we, yeah, it was an interesting storyline. Uh, uh, pretty simple as you could go. Yeah. I, the whole time I'm reading it, because I was introduced to the mass characters from the very beginning, pretty okay recap mm -hmm. page in the beginning. I kind of got caught up pretty quickly. But I was thinking, this redhead, who looks a lot like Scarlet from G.I. Joe, is that Vanessa character? The Vanessa character from Mask? Is that the person we were introduced to in the beginning? Because I could have sworn this is Scarlet from G.I. Joe. It took like five pages before someone referred to her as Scarlet. Oh, yeah. And another Joe did it. I'm like, all right, these are the Joes. I, I don't know yeah. why the Joes didn't get introduced. It was just like they had no introduction. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, is, is this? Because I didn't know at the time that it was going to be a, a yeah. mix yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, a, It was not a smooth uh, introduction, but I, I think they did a decent job of eventually getting across who's who. Yep. And oh, yeah, yeah. establishing like... An understandable relationship between these organizations. You know, it was a believable, okay, I can understand how these would be interacting in their world. You know, G.I. Joe's the official government body, and Mask is, is like a rogue, an element that's gone rogue, kind of. They're the plucky, like, we want to be the superheroes kind of fight crime guys. Like, they're, you yeah, know, they're not like, government funded, they're sort of funded by um you know they're independently like wealthy a guy yeah a philanthropist yeah. organization a michael knight and yes. knight writers which is another thing that's going to be added to the hasbro verse eventually but no it's not don't don't look for that it's not <laughs> it's absolutely not coming to bookshelves airwolf though but, oh yeah definitely but i definitely agree with pete i feel like this is a great uh, like while rum and the micronauts was just like so dense this felt like really easy to just jump in on 
and these guys work together really, really well. And there's references to the outside world that work really well. Like when Astro Train, the Transformer, falls to Earth, like it's a reference to something bigger going yeah. on in the, in Oh, the really? World. Good. Mm-hmm. I oh. even totally understand, you know, I, I can completely accept the Transformers' place in this universe yep. yeah. based on this story. Yeah, and that's pretty impressive for a story that does not go... There's not 10 pages of exposition in the beginning that yep. explain what's happening. I also like that we have a ticking clock because one of their members might pass away and we gotta, like, we gotta go uh-huh. through... Uh-oh. I don't like that part. So here it is. My original problem with the, the, the exposition, which was just, like, a little silly problem. I'm sitting there going, oh, explain the, 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 the ticking clock. One of the members might pass away. One of the members has been infected with, like, the techno-organic... No. He just got his butt kicked while trying to recover one of the pieces of Astro Train that fell that's to right. Earth. He gets severely injured underwater because that's what happens when you're in the military. Um, and they were like, you know, if we have it's that techno-organic, whatchamacallit, maybe we could engineer a cure for him. I'm reading this going, listen, first off, when you discovered that the alien head that came crashing to the Earth was stolen by an evil organization your first thought was like could this be a medicine it's almost like that meme with the guy in the butterfly (laughs) (laughs) evil head comes to the earth he's like is this a medicine like okay good i get that that's the first noble of you that's your first thought but no now you know that there's a ticking time bomb we can't let venom slash cobra gather this thing cool while you're doing this one of your soldiers gets injured your immediate thought is, well, now I can use this alien thing that we don't know what it does to engineer a cure for injuries. <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's really risky. That was super risky. I don't think it was necessary for the storyline. The only reason it was necessary as a motivation for Matt to stop following Miles, uh, right? Because he's like dogged and he's going to chase him down and he's going to stop Miles Mayhem. He's in his ship and then he's like, oh, wait, I got to, I'm a good guy and I got to (laughs) help fix my bro. So I'm going to infect him with weird transformer viruses. And he even says it after they do it. It's like, so you think we did a good thing or did we just make him into a transformer monster? (laughs) And I'm like, and I think Scarlet's advice was like, that's a problem for another day. <laughs> I love that whole conversation though, oh, where man. he's like, "Man, it's tough being a leader." She's like, "Yeah, don't get easier, buddy. Like, you're gonna make weird calls like this more often than Constantly. not." It almost felt like Venture Brothers at that point, <laughs> where it was like nobody there wanted to do this anymore. Scarlet was like, had been drinking, and she's been like, "I don't like you're, none of this is ever gonna make sense to you or anyone." Uh, you can't you can't have a family anymore. It's not it's not gonna happen. We may have just made him into a monster. He may wish for death, but that's a problem for another day. GI <laughs> Joe, it's ridiculous. I love that part though. I can't yeah. lie. I loved it. Uh, but yeah, I think overall a, 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 a tighter story. Uh, you want to start with Pete? Pete, what, what, what's your uh, what's your, oh? I'm sorry, Al. Did I cut you off? What yeah, were you? Yeah, um, I also want to talk about the little after story that came, that was about oh. Dagger's origin story yeah. because mm. I was really confused why this like thug was school and Scarlet through a lot of these fights, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, I don't know if we could do that. But then we got like oddly enough, we get his backstory in this annual. Yeah, it's like re- actually really interesting and kind of compelling, and b- you know becomes believable as to why he can actually hold his own against Scarlet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought they were just like you know when uh, it, for some reason the Hasbro verse always feels more like amalgam than it does 
a Marvel crossover or a DC crossover, it feels like this um, disparate properties forced together because in many ways it is, mm-hmm. right? Uh, even though they are all belong belong to the same place right now. Um, so when I saw that uh, he was winning, beating Scarlet, I'm like, oh, they must have tossed the coin like that. I think they did in Amalgam where they just flipped a coin, decided who won the battle and did it. Uh, which I don't know if it's true or not, but that's the actually thing. So, there were votes at one point. A vote. Yeah, this is some sort of arbitrary way of deciding how it happened. But you're right with that little teaser, with that little story at the end, giving him his backstory. Suddenly, it felt earned that he was able mm-hmm. to beat her one of the two times they fought. And that was another she example of integrating the uh, the continuities in there because the the guy that's uh, that's giving Miles Mayhem the rundown and recommending Dagger to him is Big Boa. Oh, Cobra's hand-to-hand combat trainer. Nice. I did not pick up on that. Very uh, cool. It, that was it, it worked really well because yep. just because of the background of the character in street fighting, and he he would know exactly. And I love like because we didn't get a lot of the villains in this book, and I felt like this was a good way to just sort of like, hey, let's flush out some of the bad guys. And like again, that backstory is really compelling. I really enjoy it, and I love the ending where he's like, where Bo was kind of explaining, like, listen, like he doesn't use a fighting style, but hey, neither does a bear. Like, yeah. he's just yeah. good at this. Yeah. And also, like... Good dialogue. And, yeah. No, I, I I really think so. And there's that great moment where he says, like, listen, treat him like he's the son you never had and he'll eat out of your hand. That's and, really a dark. Yeah. 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 I like it. Uh, all right. So let's do reviews uh, reverse order from last time. Pete, what do you yeah. want to rank this? Uh, I got to say, uh, I, I really liked... This was the example of how to do a, a crossover, a cross-property crossover like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the story was pretty simple, but... It was what it needed to be, especially for an annual. And like Al, I really enjoyed the backup story. I'm going to go ahead and give this a near mint. Yay! Al? I enjoyed it even more than that. Like, mainly because, maybe because I like Mask a lot. And mm-hmm. seeing them have, like, a really good story after not entirely enjoying their mainline uh, books, I would say, I'm going to say mint on this. Wow, Because nice. I really liked it. Very cool, very cool. I really did think it was uh, it was a fun read. I liked, I, again, as we've heard discussed, I like how it teased every property they wanted to tease. And I think a big part of that is maybe limit the cosmicness. I think when two properties have their own cosmology, you're like, I don't care. When four of them or more, you're like, I can't follow this. But when the only thing that's weird about the people in flying cars is the one head that came from outer space and they don't even dwell on it that much feels a lot easier to get into so i'm going to give this a near mint really really good story i enjoy it thank you al for not giving us a horrible uh (laughs) follow-up book as i thought that was your goal at one point all right so we've covered some of our idw books but we've got one more review for you today um uh pete's telling me too but we'll find out as it happens the one review I want to discuss, uh, the one I'm super excited about, is a book that Pete reminded me exists, and it's a shame Ken's not in the room, because I know he yeah. wants to talk about it. Sleepwalker. <laughs> Marvel oh Sleepwalker. Infinity Wars Sleepwalker, number yes. one. Uh, so, yes, so it's... Ba- we'll, get, we'll get Ken's opinion when uh, when number two comes out. Right. Uh, Sleepwalker's back, baby. Yeah, that's not the that's not the that is not the slogan of the book. Loves me some Rick Sheridan. For for those of you who don't, uh, uh, Pete, why don't you catch us up on who this character is? Uh, Sleepwalker was a uh, a character from Marvel Comics that debuted in the early nineties. I want to say nineteen ninety one, but I could be wrong. Limited pouches still, even though he was from yeah, the nineties, he, he was, was, he was almost pouch free. Yeah, basically. Uh, and Sleepwalker was a character. He was essentially a. A being from another dimension, a, a policeman 
from the dreamscape. Okay. Mm-hmm. These are and these beings, the sleepwalkers, are the police of the dream world, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they they make sure that nightmares don't escape into the real world. The dreamscape is this shared uh, pocket dimension, essentially, where all sentient beings go when they dream, when they sleep. Now, uh, the sleepwalker that we know, who is part of the race called the sleepwalkers, but never gets another name. He's just sleepwalker. He becomes bound to a human named Rick Sheridan, a teenager. And every time Rick Sheridan falls asleep, Sleepwalker comes out of his mind and... And uh, heroing it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, protects the real world. Two little bits of information. You may remember uh, Sleepwalker from when we did our Infinity Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcasts are still available on non-productive.com. I remember the orange juice. Uh, yes, when uh, when uh, Rick goes for orange juice, founds out he was roofied by his alter ego and then becomes a superhero <laughs> for apparently no reason. Um, interesting. The other thing that I think is interesting about Sleepwalker is, in a way, he's a product of his time, and he was a, a little bit of... Very little Green Lantern in that there's like a core of these people guarding mm-hmm. the world, but I don't remember them taking having they were a not, huge. They were not role. a big role in the uh, in the original comics. And the book I think came out in '91, and that was about two years after the Sandman uh, was published by Vertigo. Yeah, uh, Neil Gaiman Sandman. So I'm sure there was a certain amount of how do we you know do yeah. something with this. Uh, although not a, not a hell of a lot of similarities like, between their, their it's difficult their to say that these guys are that San, that Sleepwalker's a, a rip off of Sandman. Oh, I would not. I definitely want to go that Just, far. Let's do something with Dream. Yeah, that's about, that's pretty much where it is. Um, so yeah, uh, this book is uh, right in the Infinity Wars storyline mm-hmm. where Gamora has the Infinity Gems and has uh, basically done the work her father tried to do, but in a nicer way, uh, folding the universe in half as opposed to destroying half of it and uh, the and ramifications tucking, of it. Yeah, and tucking it away safely in the uh, soul, soul gem. Yeah, so uh, overall, the book's fresh out. I think we should start with our reviews of it. And then go right into spoilers because it's definitely something we want to talk about. We'll, we'll give you a warning so you could tune it out if you want. Uh, I I'm a, I love this book. <laughs> I love the hell out of this book. Pete, what? Pete, this is amazing. <laughs> this one issue it's, is the um, best thing. I, I, are we doing our reviews? Do you I, want me to tell you my review of it? I think just general feelings. Like the, the, the actual rating? I know we could talk general feelings. Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense. We'll give the reviews at the I, very, very, very end. The I grades. enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I, I, I want more. I, I want more, but I want more at the same caliber of what the hell am I reading? It is absurd, listeners. If you like Marvel and are interested in reading funny kind of weak, it's not a wacky book. It's just a ridiculous bonkers book. There's, there's really two parts to this book. Mm. Maybe three, even. The first part, we're kind of catching up with Rick Sheridan and finding out what he's been doing with his life, which I actually really liked. Yeah. Uh, Rick Sheridan is no longer the teenager. He's a young adult, and he's got a a film career. Right. Now. Pretty cool for a guy who's Uh, possessed by the spirit of dreams. Good for him. And he's also come, come to some kind of terms with this whole sleepwalker thing and... Gaining a modicum of control. No over more the orange juice roofies. <laughs> yeah, 
Then we have uh, Sleepwalker and his superiors on the dreamscape. Which is nowhere near as boring as it sounds. And I would say I think it is the draggingest par- yeah. part of the story. But for for a person who hasn't read Infinity Wars like I am, I appreciated the catch up. I think they did it pretty smoothly. Yeah, I, they did do it, and it folded into the narrative very well. You didn't feel like you were just getting exposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have uh, Sleepwalker traveling the Soul World, encountering various Infinity Warps. And that's where and I was smiling ear to ear the whole time. So, all right, spoiler time. We're going to talk right about the book. Oh, my goodness. That was beautiful. There was like Can these, I ask you who your least favorite warp was? Least favorite? Um, I guess just because I'm really bad at acronyms, uh, Monica. Oh, really? Monica, just because I can't right now off the top of my head uh tell you what monica what uh what that means do you do you have it you, you oh I, I don't i'll pull it up in a few seconds but it's modok it is definitely and, uh, and who and else? monica rapacini the uh the the scientist supreme of hydra uh, I'm, I'm sorry scientist supreme of aim right who advanced is that idea mechanics right and their organization which is hydra with h-i like a little I for Hydra. I draw. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Monica stands for, because it's it's definitely important, Maneuverable Organism Networked for Infinite Combat Aggression. I'm so happy <laughs> that they were like, no, we want her named Monica, and we don't care what it means. Yeah. So brilliant. Which, I mean, is, is you know, where S.H.I.E.L.D. came from. Yes, absolutely. So much fun stuff in this book uh, as Sleepwalker's walking around trying to figure out who will help him in this quest to do whatever the hell it is yeah. he's trying to do. I honestly thought that your least favorite one was going to be Dark Star Hawk. Oh, I forgot about Dark Star. That was how uh, unfavorite it, he was. Yeah. Because I was it's just kind of this it's like, oh, I don't really it. get that one. The the reveal, the the opening of turning the page and getting <laughs> I'm gonna try to do this. Man thing thang thum. <laughs> yes, Al, that is the right expression. Yep. That is the absolute correct expression. Man thing thang thum. Which bears more than a slight passing resemblance to Cthulhu. Yes, and both characters, Thing Thing. Oh yeah, yeah, Thing Thing. Because Thing Thing is a dragon, and so like this is like a like plant monster. So good, so good. And he is the dragon protector of the Nexus within the Soul World, which kind of fits within both of them. Yeah, Uh, really, just again another wonderful thing. But it what takes the cake is the inexplicable down to the lettering and the titling when we run into uh, Scott Banner. Uh, and who is uh, being accused or forced to create weapons for whatever. I don't even remember. Hydra. And, yeah. And um, I, should I just read the panels? Should I read the panels out? You think that's fair? Yeah. I, I think, All right. Yeah. You woke me up for an ultimatum, Monica. Well, here's one for you. Take your goons and get out before you make me angry. Uh-oh, troopers. Looks like we're in big trouble now. Nope. It's a lot worse than Big. big. And then the title pops up. Caught in an explosion of gamma rays and mysterious pim particles, Scott Banner transforms in times of stress into a creature of unfathomable power concentrated into a tiny size. The madder he gets, the smaller he gets. For he is Little Monster. <laughs> Imagine a Hulk action figure come to life with the strength of the Hulk. And oh you know my what? God. I'll be honest. His his what he does is less impressive than this is one of those things where a gag is delivered almost entirely through lettering mm-hmm. and titling. 
the fact that they made it feel like this was the introduction of a character yeah is brilliant brilliant oh it was very well done yeah and retreat is an acronym yeah so if you have the magical ability to uh, determine when spoilers are over and you're just turning him back in now, spoilers are over. Pete, what do you rank yeah. this book? Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to break your heart here. Oh, no. I'm, I'm only going to give it a near mint. All right. Because I, I, I want more. I want more. Uh, I don't know, man. This was really good. This was a lot of good. If I'm taking it, are there more issues of this coming? Is yes, this, there are. Uh, do we know how many? Uh, at least two. I think as many as four. Okay. At that point, then, if this were a one shot and this was intended just to be like, here's a little tease for you guys, I might have given it a mint because <laughs> it was so great. But because this is part of a story, I will agree. I'm, I'm curious where it's going. I'm going to go near mint. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fun. Definitely fun. I like the Infinity Warps, and I like the uh, what they're doing with Infinity War right now, in, uh, or Infinity Wars right now in Marvel. Uh, do we have another comic book to review? I do have a, one I'll, I'll, I'm just going to give a real quick shout-out to. Okay. Uh, as we're recording this, it is the uh, middle of October, and we are getting ready for all kinds of spoopiness with Halloween. Mm-hmm. Spoopy. And... DC Comics has released the Cursed Comics Cavalcade. Oh, yes. yes. Which is this year's uh, Halloween anthology of stories from DC. Uh, and there's, as always, it's a mixed bag. But there are a few really, really good stories. And they're all nice, short little tidbits that you can digest real quickly. Uh, I got to give a particular shout out to uh, Batman in Gorehound. Where Batman uh, is going after a serial killer who is trying to make elaborate scenes based off of horror movies. Oh, okay. Uh, Superman in Strange Visitor, where we uh, we see what what makes Superman afraid. And uh, two more: Robin and Solomon Grundy in The Devil You Know. Really touching story there. Really? Surprisingly. Oh, and, that's and cool. Robin, we're talking about uh, uh, Damian Wayne. Very nice. The current Robin. And uh, uh, there's a neat little uh, Halloween hayride story starring Zatanna. Oh, cool. So it's all very good. And ev- everything's good, but those those ones are, are in and, particular really good. And perfect for the season. Yep. Speaking of things that are really good, uh, Near Mint and all the episodes can be found on non-productive.com. Uh, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app. Follow us on social media. Like us. Review us. Give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really does help a lot. And stay tuned as we do more of this ridiculous IDW coverage, more Marvel coverage, more insane DC stuff. We've got a jam-packed October and beyond ready for us. Thank you all for listening and good night. Good night, everybody. Howdy, folks. This is Frank from non-productive.com interrupting your podcast feed for this urgent message. We're putting on our first Kickstarter. And we need your help to reach our goal. And beyond! Nonpro is planning a movie night. A movie marathon where we're streaming some of the best of the worst flicks of all time. And we're raising money to cover operating expenses for the year. Every dollar you donate gets us closer to some truly, truly terrible films. And we're going to stream the entire experiment for you, our loyal fans and supporters. Oh, and hey, we're also donating some cash to the ACLU because protecting our right to speak out is sort of important. 
don't you think? And if you support our Kickstarter, there are some awesome rewards in it for you, including watching some ridiculously amazing films with us in studio. To donate, please head over to non-productive.com slash movie night and show us your support. Thanks. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.